0: Now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh,
1: what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic!
0: Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson and our wingman Willem van Dender to pick through the eyes of the week's best games, the teams, the moments and the hot topics. Now, Derek, there was plenty of good football around the world in all of the competitions local and uh, continental that we watched um, but you've set the scene with a very juicy rundown let's start with what must have been a very hard choice for you with uh, the game of the week
1: yeah rob it was a hard choice um but it was liverpool versus manchester city sounds so predictable i you know I'd, i do want to try and bring diversity as much as we can but you don't think anyone could take their eyes off this performance. Uh, it wasn't a high-scoring game, but it was a pulsating encounter. The uh, the atmosphere was electric at Anfield. The 12th man was mentioned a lot after the game as they carried Liverpool to that 1-0 victory. You had two coaches going absolutely bonkers on the side of the pitch at various moments. Um, it's everything you wanted, Rob, in a top light top-flight Premier League game, and I'm sure you were happy too.
0: I loved it. It was one of those ones where you, you – you, look, I didn't watch it live. I got up very early on on Monday morning, and I watched uh, highlight packages and, in fact, uh, watched a fair bit of, uh, of the Arsenal Leagues match as well. So I'd sort of set the scene for myself before I started watching this game. So, you know, by this stage, it's about sort of 5.30 as I'm, I'm starting to watch it. And, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, we'll talk about uh, Optus uh, um, a little later, but um, the uh, – the game started off as as a uh, a game of brinksmanship a couple of uh, master swordsmen uh, taking on each other sort of uh, sort of probing and looking for weaknesses but but gradually throughout the course of that first half it just it just built up to an incredible crescendo and uh, and when uh, when that uh, goal was chalked off and pep guardiola as you said went absolutely bananas uh, it was all on from there, the the entire game from from that point, uh, well, particularly as a Liverpool supporter, was was really quite incredible. It was uh, good to see, as a, a person who who doesn't uh, follow Manchester City, that uh, Erling Brown Harland is actually human and was responsible for having that that goal chalked off. And Derek uh, Pep uh, was incensed not only with the fact that it was chalked off, but but. I guess quite rightly, um, if you're trying to be fair about it, uh, ask the question, how far do you go back in in the lead-up to the goal to actually find the point where a foul occurs so that you can ultimately chalk it off? Because it wouldn't have been looked at that incident had it not been for the ultimate goal, he says.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Exactly. That's right. that's, That's a very blunt response.
1: You just told me. You just told me the answer in the question, Rob. Yes, um, <laughs> it, it was. It was correct. Pep uh, was saying that yes, in, in ordinary um, games, you know that sort of, sort of file is never going to be picked up at a million years. Uh, listeners, uh, Rob and I were at uh, another sporting event, boxing this weekend, and we were talking about VAR and our usual moans about it. But of course, our both of our teams were the beneficiaries of VAR this week, and none, no one more than Liverpool because. Yes, once I'd actually chosen to look at it, and I think everyone thought it was going to be the Allison decision. You know, did he, did he have the ball taken off him by Harland? I think I think Rob, you and I are in agreement that mm. Allison did not have control of the ball, and actually Harland, you know, had every right to stick his telescopic leg in there. Uh, but it was a it was a foul earlier uh, that Haaland did um, on for, uh, Fabinho. Uh, and it was a foul, and they brought it up, and and yes, uh, it's you know it, what looked like a nailed-on uh, Manchester City win, then gave. Liverpool, the impetus to go and, and, and win the game. And it was Salah who won the day, of course, and he had an earlier sighter. It was a fantastic save from Edison. Fingertips to another ball um, over the top for Salah to run, run on to the second time. He wasn't going to miss twice and add that to the hat-trick against Rangers during the week. And I'd say that he had a pretty good week, Rob.
0: No, absolutely. And um, and as you said, the the head-to-head with uh, Erling Brandt-Harland was, uh, it, it, you know, it, it was one that... I think most people who watched the game closely would have thought that Harland uh, was was not going to uh, um, lose that that battle. He might be, uh, um, you know, at least uh, in a position where you know Mo might um, might might square the points with him. But ultimately, it was it was pretty convincing. And then, what about you, Willem? What's what's your thoughts on on what you saw?
2: Uh, I wasn't too impressed with Jurgen Klopp. I don't think that behaviour's. Um, I think that this was a, a brilliant game. But you know, there was. I think it spilled over. I think he deserved to be sent off. And I think. Uh, there's been a sort of ugly side in the, in the stands as well. you spoke of the 12th man and how brilliant that can be. Uh, from the Travelling City supporters, they could be in a bit of strife. Liverpool have condemned vile chanting some graffiti in the away end as well. So I think, okay. unfortunately, sometimes these events can get so big and so tense that uh, people uh, get carried away and behave uh, in such a way. Also... Thinking as well, Derek, has Klopp done himself any favours? Because during the week, he was my hot topic with his comments on state-owned clubs, uh, City, Newcastle, PSG, they can do what they want, they have no ceiling and we just can't compete, and then he's gone out there and beaten them.
1: Yeah, well, it was a a much-needed win for Klopp that obviously lost uh, to Arsenal the week before, and certainly we're not necessarily one of the direct petro-dollar clubs, albeit we've had Emirates as our sponsor and we've benefited from them for some time, but... Did feel like he was reaching for, for some excuses, but he had to shuffle his pack again. I think he made six changes for the game. The commentary said that that was the most that he'd ever made to a starting Premier League lineup. And uh, had to have James Milner, who's been much maligned uh, this season, filling in it right back, actually did a, a really, really good job. Gomez moved into the centre. To partner Van Dijk and uh, the goalkeeper, you know, we haven't mentioned Allison yet and the ball that he kicked over the top for Salah uh, yeah. to score the goal. I mean, we know Edison and Allison a ding dong for two best goalkeepers in the world and, and and they both performed really well on the day
0: yeah it was incredible and and th- that sort of sliding kick up uh, uh, to, to and to spot the the run or at least the position of Salah where he was and and put it to, in that that sort of precise position for him was uh was exceptional wasn't it so uh as was yeah, the turn as was uh, the turn beautiful goal yeah, all around yeah no no absolutely and, uh, and 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 lovely finish as well and look willem um Insofar as your contributions to, to Game of the Week, did you have anything that you wanted to to, to throw into the mix um, that, that you reckon might trump this one?
2: Well, I'm not sure it trump it, but from a local angle, I think the game of the A-League was probably Wellington 2, Central Coast Mariners 2. A uh, story of patience for the two strikers, Ben Wayne and Jason Cummings, who both scored excellent goals, only to have them overruled and then scored uh, le- legitimate excellent goals uh, later on. Also a nice goal from Samuel Silvera, who's a bit of a forgotten man who's back at the Mariners. Uh, and, yeah, Ben Wayne, I wanted to touch on him. We don't speak about him because he's a Kiwi, but at 21 years old, I think we'd be, uh, we'd be desperate to, uh, to have him as an Aussie because he's one of the better uh, probably the best young uh, striker out and out striker uh, going around in the A-League two goals from two so I think that was probably uh, the best all-round game with an apology to the Newcastle Jets who probably had the moment of the week from an A-League perspective with that last minute winner uh, when they swept the length of the field despite being a man down yep good call cool
0: now team of the week i think you two guys might have been battling over the, the same one here um you're uh, uh you're loving uh the side that, that derek's about to mention uh, but you've gone to the, to the bundesliga derek
1: yeah i have and we have mentioned them earlier on in the season so this shouldn't be a surprise to our regular listeners but union berlin uh our top of bundesliga they've got a a four-point uh, lead there um, fantastic really when you think that they really have come from nothing um you know they've really only been in Bundesliga for the last couple of seasons they're a club that was born out of the old uh, eastern Bloc countries and are um, and are uh, 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 and and are are very much part of a a you know not the most salubrious area of Berlin, but they've already drawn with Bayern Munich this season. They've beaten Dortmund, as we said in the in the show earlier in the week, 2-0, two, uh, two goals from Yannick uh, Haberer did the job there. And look, this is a club that only has a 22,000 capacity stadium. I went on to transfer Markt and uh, they, uh, their squad is only worth 100 million euros, so about two and a half Mane's at uh, at uh, bay in munich uh, i don't even recognize any of the team or the manager um but it's a fantastic story and and yeah look there's a few underdog stories in uh, bundesliga that one's shaping up very nicely indeed and you love union berlin willem yeah i love them
2: in the sense that derek probably loves them as well In that i know absolutely nothing about them but it's brilliant to see a uh, a new side uh, at the top of the bundesliga and not just for one or two weeks but yeah we're 10 weeks in now so it's certainly a developing story and Uh, giving people right around the globe us included a a chance to sit up and learn uh, about a new club my team of the week comes from the foot of the j league it's jubilo iwata Uh, they are last and they've been staring down relegation uh, but they've gone and knocked off the top side yokohama f marinos not what i was actually barracking for uh on the night but it's a it's a brilliant story in itself it was a typical last against first win if there is Uh, such a thing. They defended doggedly. They scored in the uh, 84th on the counter-attack through Yosuke Furukawa. Uh, I didn't know much about them either, but turns out they are a former powerhouse of the J-League. Between 97 and 2003, they finished outside of the top two just once and won three league titles uh, during that period. They're 18th, the bottom two go down, and 16th, Uh, plays against the uh, third side coming up in the sort of German style uh, promotion relegation system Uh, so they only need to get up to uh, 16th and the team in 17th above them is their local rival Shimizu S. Pulse who they played this Saturday in the Shizuoka Derby so all going off uh, at the bottom of the J-League Rob. Yeah absolutely that was the the game that I had my eye on as well I know you uh, you've been watching uh, the musky watch
0: um, over recent times just waiting for that moment where uh, you know you can say he's over the line But, but what What's the the mathematics of this right now, Willem? So so they can obviously um, still um, uh, will not win for want of a better description.
2: They uh, but but one one win ought to do it for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So there's two games to go, and they're two points clear. So Yokohama, uh, two points clear of Kawasaki. Yeah, uh, and and I will. No, no, I'm just, they, our, our listeners can't tell as, as as you're counting away
0: with your fingers as we're we're watching, but uh, but you know, right now, I mean, you you, you think that they're, they're they're far enough ahead to be able to get the job done, but but when you you, you have the kind of uh, uh, you know back to back losses against the, the the last place and and, and, a, and another squad a team in a in a relegation battle, there's there's got to be a serious uh, speed wobble going on here, William.
2: I think it's a very serious speed wobble. So I was just trying to work out the size that they've got to play. They've got Uruwa Reds, uh, who are sort of top to middle uh, of the table. But then in the last game, they've got Vissel Kobe, who have been a real banana skin for them, knocked them out of the Champions League, and uh, I think did a number on them in the league early this season as well. So, um, yeah, they they seem at times when they're playing poorly to sort of, come under the affliction of a very good side who has almost too much of the ball, maybe a little bit of what we saw from Man United against Newcastle this week, where you can have so much possession and you can move it with purpose. But uh, that can also really allow sides to, uh, to park the bus, so to speak. And as the games roll on and goals don't come, you do then become susceptible to the counter. So uh, I still think they'll get it done. It'd be a crying shame if they didn't because they've been top for a long, long time, uh, pretty much for the entirety of the season. So yeah, fingers and toes crossed that with two to go, uh, they can get the required points yeah absolutely and the team that uh, that's, that's trying to
0: run them down Kawasaki uh, uh, on a, uh, a two- game winning streak against uh against reasonable opposition as well so you know it, it's going to be a pretty pretty tough uh, last couple of weeks um I think as you've described in the past
2: uh squeaky bum stuff um, very much squeaky bum time the next game against twenty 29th of October. Mm-hmm. all right so uh on to the
0: moment of the week um i like this one derek it, it didn't take place on the pitch but um, you've given it to one of the, uh, the 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 most famous players in the world um, less than five months out from signing a new contract
1: yeah, Clean and I know this is not the freshest story, but I still think it's worth discussing because it's a narrative that we're going to be seeing over the next few weeks and months as we uh, we lead up to the next transfer window. But and look, we were talking about City earlier in the show, and yeah, look, they may not have won at Anfield, but you know, in terms of one of those big Petro-driven clubs, like they certainly know how to run that football club properly. They've got the manager in, they've got the structure in place. They've been excellent in the transfer window. Yes, they've got all the money, but they have actually um, bought excellent players. Uh, you know, whether it be Haaland for 50 million, uh, Akanji at the back this season, the Swiss player who looks excellent value at 20 to 30 million. And then you've got PSG, which is almost everything that you don't want to do, trying to run a football club. They've kind of... Bought all the best players in the world, which sounds good on paper. You've then made one of those players so, uh, so kind of far above everyone else. And Mbappe, you've got Emmanuel Macron uh, even interceding to stop him to go to to Real Madrid in the uh, in the previous transfer window. And despite giving him all this power, and as you said, five months into his contract. Where he's got a hundred million euro signing on, three no less, and fifty million euro annual salary, he now wants to leave, um, and it's going to leave uh, Paris Saint Germain in a, in a bit of a pickle. But they've got—he's got his reasons. Apparently, he's not happy. Firstly, that they are playing him in a, a, a central striker position. He doesn't want to play as the number nine. He wants to play off the left, which is where. Neymar uh, has been uh, playing and actually playing very well this season. Him and Messi have been playing uh, some of their top football for Paris Saint Germain this season. He thinks um, that they should have bought a more of a natural number my, nine, which makes me think, Rob, that he is potentially a fan of this show because he must hear me and Edge banging on about Olivier Giroud every week. That you know that must have been got gotten through to uh, to Killian, and he realizes that that is what he needs at City. He needs a uh, you know, striker in his mid thirties to go up and just be the pivot at the uh, the top of the uh, top of the attacking line up there. So um, I don't feel a lot of sympathy for uh, for, for Killian in this separation, situation. He fears to be in a golden diamond encusted cage at the moment, but the talk is that he is unhappy already. And as I was saying to you earlier, um, Rob, maybe he has to have a word with himself because he is the you know, the director of football almost at the club. So maybe he has to give himself a good talking to and find out what's going on.
0: Since you've now self-declared as, um, as an advisor to him via this podcast, which he obviously listens to, I'm going to uh, ask you if Killian is listening this week and get shout out to you, Killian. We, uh, we love your work. We're not that impressed with the way you're going about things right now with your contract. But uh, Derek, what kind of advice would you give him right now as to what his, his, his next step should be?
1: Well, I mean, I think I should first of all point out to him um, that he's in the best form of his career statistically at the moment. He's been involved and scored more goals at this time of the season than any other season for Paris Saint-Germain because he has got the likes of uh, uh, Neymar and, and Messi laying on from him. And of course, he's the penalty taker as well. And he's got some pretty illustrious people to boot off the ball for. For those two, he's got a great manager in, in Gaultier. Um, you know, if I was Killian, I'd you know I'd be looking at my bank account and thinking about the 100000000 million I'd already taken and uh, seeing if I can put things right on the pitch and, instead of whinging about it.
0: I've got a contribution to, to Moment of the Week, and it's one that I've been hoping for the last few years that um, that we might be able to talk about, and uh, and that is the the reemergence of Daniel Arzani um, as a, a genuine... Um, uh, contender for for Graham Arnold's uh, squad. he uh, uh, scored his first goal in the A League since 2018, and uh, and those of us who followed his career remember uh, back in uh, in the uh, the early days of, of of 2018, he was the absolute form player of of the uh, the A League with uh, with Melbourne City. Um, he was lighting up the park. He got picked um, as a bolter. He played in in all three games, and and he had a lovely combination with Jackson Irvine um, a, over there in. in in Russia and uh, and and the future look so bright for him, uh, he uh, he headed over to, to Manchester City, but was immediately on loan to to Celtic, and then and then it all went wrong from injuries to Utrecht to young Utrecht. To, uh, he uh, he just travelled uh, some of the outskirts of of Europeans uh, lesser clubs, Europe's lesser clubs, and uh, and just didn't get anything together until finally uh, Dwight York um, invited him back, and uh, and who would have thought that uh, that All Night Dwight himself uh, would be the the man to put his arm around uh, Daniel Arzani's shoulder and. And, and tell the, the bloke who's only 23 years old still, 23 years old uh, that he uh, he had a, a career ahead of him. So Willem, I know you watch uh, pretty much uh, well every game of the A-League in, in some fashion or, or another pretty closely. What, what's your sense of Daniel Arzani's um, chances of, of getting a, a spot uh, on the plane to Qatar?
2: Well, firstly, I think you're being a little bit disrespectful to Belgian second-tier side Lommel in describing them as a, a club on the outskirts of, uh, of European club football. In what uh, way am I being disrespectful? <laughs> no, I think, you, I think you've <laughs> placed them exactly where they belong. <laughs> Arzani, uh, I think the... I mean, he's been out of out of sight, out of mind really since the 2018 World Cup. He did pop up for the Oli Roos in Roos uh, in the Olympics. I think uh, the balance of public opinion has been that uh, he hasn't cared it's put too much on his mental application and not enough on the injuries because we haven't seen the injuries we just haven't seen him we just have seen him going through clubs and not quite making it stick and when you pass through four or five clubs uh people start to question your application Uh, but then we had him come out the other day and say you know I'm signed to Manchester City so when I pass through these clubs they don't particularly care it's it's even more difficult to to sort of make an imprint uh what I've seen from him in only the first two league games as well as a couple of FF cup uh, australia cup games that the application does look there uh and so now my concern more on is his body uh going forward maybe that's what might be holding him back from having the career we all hope that he can but he looks fit at the moment so hopefully if he can stay fit uh he can continue to dominate uh i think if it was a 23-man squad it might come just a little bit soon for him but the 26 manner um might just open the door i mean he's been there before and he looks brilliant he looks. He's, he's very intelligent. He's very switched on. He'll take a shot when you're not expecting it. He'll, he'll pick a pass. He'll uh, He's very confident on the ball. He's happy to sort of wait and watch things move around him. So, no, I'm, I'm back on the Azani bandwagon. Just hopefully he can stay fit. Uh, and, I mean, Dwight York's going to ride him hard. He, he pulled him after an hour in the first game and said he wasn't up to it this week different story so maybe that's the type of manager uh, that's going to unlock him going forward who knows
0: where dwight york might end up i mean he's in the very early stages of his career and uh, and derek uh, i know has commented um, over the over the, the years that he's been on this show that the uh, uh, the dearth of um of black uh, managers in in the pyramid of english football and it wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if dwight york could could make his career in australia and and head back uh, to england and start to, to build a career over there and uh, we could look back where it all started.
1: Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, he's he's made a really promising start. I don't think any of us had expectations, but uh, you know, he's got got those balls looking on the right path. And if he can, you know, talking about you know Australian talent, if we can, you know, this would almost be a freebie for Australia if he can, you know, re-energize someone that that maybe had thought had slipped off the radar. What a what a coup for the Socceroos.
0: Hot topic of the week. We've got a few to talk about. Um, <laughs> Forrest sacked somebody, but um, it wasn't who we thought they were going to sack.
1: Forrest. And yeah, they, um, we thought the manager might be in trouble. Uh, Forrest are extremely uh, trigger happy, as we know, um, when it comes to sacking their manager. They have some incredible record uh, uh, in terms of dispensing with uh, dispensing with managers so it wouldn't even if it had been uh, unfair on the gaffer there it probably <clears throat> wouldn't have been a surprise if steve cooper had gone but instead the head of recruitment who is uh, george serianos and the head of scouting andy scott um have departed after a rev- review of uh, the summer's transfer business um by the new sporting director Filippo gualian and the uh, owner, uh, Marinakis, who is our trigger-happy friend. And it's probably the reason for this was the fact that they signed 22 players since winning the uh, championship playoff final. Um, but they're, um, they're uh, second from bottom with five points from, from nine games. Um, and, uh, yeah, we know that they had to replace a lot of that squad. That wasn't brand-new 22 players. They lost players who... They uh, they had on loan like Jed Spence, for example, who ended up going to, to Spurs. But even still, they really, really rolled the dice. And obviously, it hasn't worked out. And unfortunately, for the head of recruitment and the head of scouting, they are in the bin. And uh, they've given Steve Cooper this new contract until 2025. So there's a, there's a vote of confidence. And I think the only thing we can read into it is that they're uh, they're prepared to to give him the season and beyond to see if he can turn it around.
0: Vote of confidence for, for uh, a competition that uh, is so renowned for second coaches uh, when uh, they uh, they have a, a, a poor run and, and just when he was being talked about as the next coach to be sacked. So look, uh, Steve Cooper, uh, he uh, you know he's, he's he just looks like a football coach, doesn't he? I mean, you see him on the sidelines, he just looks like yeah. the archetypal English football coach.
2: Derek, I find this very funny. I think it's got a. I think it's just quite comedic. It's almost like a. The British comedy sort of Mike Bassett or a sketch show type of thing, where okay, we're going to sign twenty two players, we're going to break the record, and then we're going to review our recruiting practices and we're going to sack them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and uh, just an apology to Steve Cooper. Rob described him as a typical English football coach. He is, of course, Welsh, and oh, right, uh, if I he listened, that. if he listens to the show, I'm sure he would be very keen to point out that distinction. But yes, I I I know what you're trying to say. He does seem like yeah the Mike Bassett the. Uh, the uh the proper football man he's been around the terraces he's been around the pitch and he's uh yeah you can't argue with his record he's done what about 100 other forest managers couldn't do and that's returned them to the premier league
2: no i liked what i saw from cooper i thought they were pretty unfortunate not to get a point at wolves and a lot of the sort of photos and images i've seen for him sort of quite smiley sort of cheery lifting up the the uh the championship uh, trophy after uh, after gaining promotion last year, but then on the weekend on the touchline there was a real spite, a real nastiness as he spat at the fourth official and yeah, that's when he looked like a, a proper football manager for mine uh, I had a moment of the week, it came down in the championship and it was the 20 minutes uh, spent soaring the posts shorter before the match between Hull and Birmingham could get underway, Rob, too tall to ride the, uh, the referee decided, so that match uh, had to see the posts uprooted sawn shorter uh, and then reinserted into the ground before kickoff.
0: We've got a, a topic that we've all got a strong feeling on, and that is streaming, and in particular, the mob that's in the bullseye this week is Optus.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was wanting blood this morning. That's for sure, Rob. When I was up and I was wanting my my football highlights and twenty five twenty five, um, uh, you know it was been quite a long time since the games had actually, a lot of the games had actually been finished and yeah. paying $25 a month. And that I log in and I can't watch any of the, you know, most of the games that have been played the night before. Very, very scant availability. Um, managed to eventually get the 25 minute version of the Liverpool Man City game. And then, then had to face up um, a KFC advert, then the tab advert. And then another advert at half time and I'm just uh, looking at myself going you can't even get me the the highlights in at the right time when I do watch the highlights like I don't know if you guys have the same thing but the stream can go very pixelated and it mm-hmm. looks like you're watching it in uh, watching it in the in in the 1970s and so if they can't if they can't get that right and then for the majority of people that aren't necessarily going to stay up and watch every game and they want to catch up the highlights and they, they can't get that those up on time i'm really really starting to question the value of the 25 bucks a month it's, it is you know mo- it is in some cases three times more than i would pay for any other streaming service i've got to have another three of them on top of this anyway to to watch uh, all football in australia and i and i just think you know you, you know i'm someone that works in the industry and i'm just looking at it now going if you really if you really need to be putting the adverts in you probably pay too much for this guys because you obviously t- don't think you can recoup your uh, your investment just by uh, by the subscriptions and you're having to torture us with adverts as well i thought the whole point was we were paying to to avoid those adverts, so yeah, it's creeping in, and I'm not impressed. And uh, yeah, I could be, my finger could be hovering over the delete button, Rob.
2: I've still got a fair degree of patience with Optus because, by comparison, Paramount is just appalling and hasn't been any better in the second season. We were promised so much, and if you want to watch uh, a game, uh, Derek, there's no option to start it as live. If you're maybe 20 minutes late in cooking your dinner, you have to wait two, three hours after the game's concluded for them to upload yeah, it. And even then, there's no mini-match option. But agreed, with Optus, that is unbelievably cheeky that you now have to watch two or three ads when you're already paying the full subscription. Uh, and you mentioned there that maybe they've paid too much for the rights. They've continued to expand their uh, their offering. So now you can get all of the La Liga. Uh, the, the J-League's a nice little bonus that I don't necessarily pay for, but like to have there. Uh, but it does get to a point where no one can consume you know five or six leagues so to you know go and expand the offering that much and then put it back on uh yeah, especially when you yeah you're paying, and then you're watching ads. Uh, it Doesn't quite seem right. So Optus maybe have gone too far the other way. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I did a quick calculation on on Derek. You mentioned the four streaming services that you got to have. So let, let's put Foxtel to one side and call it Ko, right? So we'll give uh, the uh, the streaming services a little um, leg up there. So Ko twenty five bucks a month. Stan with Sport twenty one bucks a month. Paramount the cheapest eight ninety nine, and you know struggling to be worth that right now. And Optus all it's 25. worth, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And Optus twenty five. Uh, uh, for for eighty dollar investment a month for uh, the average footballer. We we didn't know how, how well we had it. I remember um, sort of uh, uh, gloating to to one of our English guests sometime a few years ago when Foxtel had everything and you only needed to watch one. And and it was at a time where where the uh, the model in uh, in in England in particular had had really. Uh, uh, diversified across multiple platforms and now we're, we're we've got to be as as bad as as any in the world and and you're right i i'd watched the english games and then i, I thought I'll, I'll watch the 25 minute package of, of el Clasico, and, and 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 at halftime had to put up with an unskippable one and a half minute ad break uh, <laughs> um just uh just to uh uh to um add insult to injury so no no it um it is bloody frustrating, and um, and and we're the ones that pay for the privilege. So at least we've got a, a an opportunity to, to vent a little. And um, and and Derek, I hope you uh, you know managed to to get some of that um you know that sort of adrenaline and testosterone that was raging through that uh, six foot three uh, body of yours at Rod Laver Arena as we were watching that uh, world title belt, which uh, was an incredible event.
1: Well, I've gained two inches, so that's good. Not, not, <laughs> not, no, no mean feat. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, imagine me when Arsenal have had a bad weekend. This is me being grumpy after we're top of the league. City have lost. The Invincibles is safe for another season, and that really was the most important uh, aspect of the City Liverpool game. I, cu- I couldn't get it in before, but the fact that Arsenal's mm-hmm. Invincible season is preserved for one more season, I don't have to worry about that for another twelve months. Is just fantastic. And look at him smiling like a cheshire cat. Well done, Derek. Okay.
0: Thanks, Derek. No problem. Well I'm...
2: Thank you, Derek. Careful growing two inches shorter. Uh, taller will have to saw you shorter before you can take the pitch again at the uh, Hillsville football.
0: <laughs> you got to take a break next week. And I keep on talking about it, but Damien Tardio, the man who presses the buttons, is going to jump off the bench and, uh, and, and join us for, for, st- for uh, stoppage time next week. So enjoy your break, Derek. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Please subscribe to Box to Box, Box to Box stoppage time and box to box offside. When we put it out every couple of weeks, wherever you get your podcast, tweet us at box to box NTS and follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and make sure you join us throughout the week as our podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.